Welcome to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I am your host, Donnie Mae. This is the monthly show focused on building conversations around the team-based model approach to athletic performance, strength and conditioning, sports medicine, sports science, mental health and wellness, and sports nutrition. Hello and welcome back to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Mabe, and this month we have got a special guest from our own very UT Athletics, but before we get to our guest, little update for our listeners. We have shuffled some responsibilities within our department, and Coach Mike Hansen will no longer be the main co-host. Uh, we have a brand new co-host who is here today, Coach Joe Krosick. What's up, Big Joe? What's going on, Coach? Uh, thanks for having me come over with you and work as a co-host on this podcast. Uh, pretty excited to be here. So just a little bit about myself. I'm from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, before I got here, I was in the Marines for seven years as a captain. I was in Hawaii and Washington as a uh, infantry platoon commander. And then in 2018, started interning under you. And in 2019, you brought me on full-time. And uh, as of now, I assist with track and field. I uh, work with Novice Row and Cheer and Palm. Joe, glad to have you on as co-host. I know Coach Mike will still maybe be on sometimes. He's handling more of the kind of social media background stuff for us. Um, But again, Coach Mike has been awesome, but we're glad to have you on board. So welcome aboard, Joe. Yeah, thanks, Coach. With that, we're going to jump right in, introduce our guest in the studio today for the the podcast, our very own Adam Pacina. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on board. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure. I'm excited. Uh, And Joe? your maiden voyage, right? Or your inaugural voyage? Or you're setting sail today, so to speak. I am, yep. uh, So it's awesome. It's great to be here, Coach. Yeah, Appreciate Co- it. Yeah, thanks for making time, Adam. <laughs> Adam is currently the Assistant Athletics Director for Sports Medicine. And he's going uh, three and a half years, going into his fourth year coming up. And again, I have worked very closely with Adam and couldn't think of not, not just a better guest, but a better leader to pick his brain today and learn from him on this team behind the team kind of concept we've been getting into. So with that, Adam, first question, want to talk a little career path at first. Looking over your career path in sports medicine and all the places you've worked, because you've worked at a, you've got a, a, a decorated career when you look at the places you've been, the leadership roles you've been in, the teams you've overseen, has there been a common thread of what you've enjoyed the most? Absolutely. You know, one thing that uh, really sticks out in my mind and really a big reason I got in that pushed me into this profession was just uh, relationships, getting to know student-athletes, seeing them grow and prosper, um, staff as well. I mean, in athletics, you work, uh, I don't need to tell you guys, but uh, long hours. You spend a lot of time around a lot of people and, and you get to know them pretty well. But just first and foremost, I think just relationships. And um, as I've grown older. I've noticed that um, I've really enjoyed seeing, uh, being more in a leadership role, seeing staff that are under my direction or maybe working with me grow and learn and then hopefully eventually lead on their own. But yeah, I think in a, in a, I guess a big way, just just relationships. That answer is, you know, obviously I'm a people person as well. Joe is as well, if you've been around us at all. But um, question, what's more important as a leader in your role, because you're over, you manage a lot of people, and if you've ever been in any kind of managerial or administrative role, you have a lot of paperwork. Would you agree? I agree. So, what's more important? Is it people work, or is it paperwork? Because I've Ooh. seen some leaders that they're just always on the computer. 
I'm not saying they're bad leaders, but they just spend more time on the computer and admin work. Maybe not as much with people, but I've seen some people that maybe, you know, they, they're real good with people, but then they, they don't do a great job of administering the paperwork piece. So what do you, your opinion, your experience? Experience, I would say uh, more, more people-oriented, if you will. Um, and a sage bit of advice uh, to your dear old Georgia, uh, Ron Corson, head athletic trainer, director of sports medicine there, told me when I accepted the head position at yeah. Navy, he said, be careful. I said, be careful of what? He said, be careful. You don't want to, you know, you got into this profession because you you liked working with people. You like getting, you know, getting your hands dirty. He says, don't get caught behind a desk. Don't get caught pushing papers. Right. Uh, make sure you, you keep those relationships. Make sure you keep those those uh, those type of connections um, uh, going. And that's what I've really tried to do. So I've tried to minimize, pay attention to the paperwork because it's necessary. But at the same time, stepping out of the office, walking across the the clinic space, and and talking to some of the staff, uh, I really enjoy sneaking over to baseball. Right. Just sitting in the dugout and talking to uh, our baseball athletic trainer and hopefully catch the head coach. Um, I need to do that more. <laughs> but sneaking over to tennis and, and seeing those the coaches yeah. and the student athletes. And I've really so noticed good, that yeah. the staff enjoys that. It seems like the staff enjoys that. I'm not trying to surprise them. but uh, And the student athletes pick on by that. And the coaches do too. Mm. So when they see you uh, in their in their natural environment, I guess. Yeah, that, that's yeah. A, that investment helps. Joe, even uh, Joe's background in military, just kind of bridge from what you said. Joe, surely you've seen with these colonels, lieutenants, as they move up in the career, have you seen this kind of similar, kind of like they get into the ivory tower and they get promoted and they get, they're get they not amongst the troops? Have you ever seen any of that kind of? Yeah, I was, I was going to say the challenge is you have to really be good at both, especially as a, as a young lieutenant coming up. I mean, you have to get better at the paperwork and even better at, leading, you know, with the people too. So that becomes a challenge. But yes, as that's something I'm kind of, uh, I don't know if I want to say critical of, but it's a reason I, I kind of got out is the higher you go, the more you sit behind a desk and, and kind of get away from the, the guys on the ground. So at least in the strength coaching career, like coach, you know, if you were, if you were in the service, you'd be at least a colonel by this point. But yet here, you still have a team, you have two teams, uh, and you feel all the same pains that you know, myself and the other strength coaches feel. So that's that's a contrast. And I think it's extremely important that you're you're with the people on the ground because you'll never feel the pain that, you know, the other leaders are feeling and you'll not, you'll get out of touch with uh with you know either the athletes or the Marines. Yeah, that's good. I think one of the the pictures I've always kind of enjoyed, it's it's a little it's not really applies to strength and conditioning or sports medicine or or sports, but if you look at shepherds, right? The shepherds smell like the sheep, right? I'm sure they they don't smell too great. They're probably a little stinky, a <laughs> little dirty, a little muddy. But they're always out there. That's their job is serving and helping the sheep and protecting them and feeding them. And so when you see a true shepherd, they smell just like the sheep. And I think, you know, for me, I, I've been doing this now 27 years. Adam, you've been doing it a good while, I would assume, too. Good while. 20, about 25, maybe and I, a little and bit I think less. To kind of, uh, kind of wrap this little question up, but I think... One thing I've tried to do over my career, especially in the latter part, is just keep that servant mentality of I still need to clean up. I still need to keep a sport and serve coaches and our staff and, and don't lose that gap and get stuck in an ivory tower. So I think that's important to kind of keep your edge 
as you get as you get further in your career helps. I think so too. I mean, it's um, starting off as as a you know a young professional. You, you look towards being a leader and saying, "I want to lead," uh, and I have a vision for it. But then getting to the leadership role, and then now I look at it more as like an opportunity to serve. Right, mm-hmm. looking at like you said, having an opportunity to. Um, lead in a way that uh, was a servant leadership, right? I mean, uh, uh, doing the small things and, and, and just staying true to yourself. Yeah, it's good stuff. A little transition on your, your, your next question to piggyback on some of that. Again, just looking over your career stops, you've been at uh, places like you mentioned, Georgia. You got your undergrad at Texas. You went to grad school at Tyler, right? UT mm-hmm. Tyler. You were at the Naval Academy for a good long run there, and you were overseeing everything there, 33 teams plus men's basketball. You were the lead on that. Anything in those career stops, uh, people or places, that you that you can think of that really stretched you and helped you grow, What anything comes to mind? I think so. I, honestly, my first stop um, as, a, as a full-fledged professional certified athletic trainer was at Wake Forest. And uh, the director of sports medicine there, Greg Collins, uh, gave me an opportunity, showed up, you know, uh, living in Texas my whole life, and then show up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, not knowing what I was doing. Uh, at least I didn't feel like it at the time, right? And Mr. Collins, give me an opportunity to just to grow as a young professional, give me some opportunity, uh, and give me some situations where I didn't think I, I really knew what I was doing or didn't think I, I had enough experience to do what I was doing really enabling me and giving me an opportunity to uh, to thrive uh, and learn, mm-hmm. I guess, most of all. And then it, this one really sticks out in my mind because I, I think this this particular situation uh, really put me in the trajectory that I'm in today and put me where I am today is is leaving Wake Forest because I was there in a in a role with, with women's soccer and some other sports. And, and yeah. I said to myself, you know what? I always picture myself as a football baseball athletic trainer. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave Wake Forest, go up to Navy, show up to Navy um, in, in, in an interim role. It was really like a, a temp role. So that was a big risk. Didn't really realize at the time. 10-month position working baseball and football. And my first week there, uh, my <laughs> the director of sports medicine, um, uh, Jeff Fair, said, uh, told me, hey, our basketball athletic trainer left. He's leaving. I'm considering you to fill in in the meantime, I want you to go up and talk to the head coach, basketball coach. So I'll go up to the head coach's office. <laughs> nice and little first, interview. <laughs> and the first thing he said was, oh, so you're a new basketball athletic trainer. <laughs> that uh, sounds about right. <laughs> so went back downstairs and he's in, and, and you know, Doc Fair said, yep, you're, you're our new basketball guy. Like, oh, great. Left, went home, sulked a little bit because I said, I'm a basketball, I mean, I'm a football, baseball guy. I'm not a basketball guy. Right. Now I am a basketball. I spent, I don't know, 10, 15 years working basketball. Now, you know, I'm a basketball guy. But um, at the time, it, I didn't think I had it in me to switch on the, on the fly like that. And, and, and Doc may not have really uh, foreseen the, what he, what he, the, you know, the situation you put me in and, and how it would make me grow and flourish as a, as a professional and an individual. But it really got me out of my element. And I, I just I fell in love with the sport. And uh, the student athletes, and and just the just being able to grow as a professional there, so that really stretched me, and I didn't appreciate it at the time, but now I'm I'm very thankful that that I was putting that uh, I don't say adversity, but it was uh, it was a it was a difficult time for me, 
but I, I just learned to grow as a professional, you know, learned to grow. Yeah, no, I like that because, I mean, even you're making me think over my career that there have been multiple, more than multiple times that I've been either assigned, whether it's a team or a project or a responsibility, I had no desire to do <laughs> mm-hmm. and got sucked into it and end up liking it. And it ends up being one of the best kind of developmental things that I went through to develop me as a a leader, a coach, and just kind of open your eyes to like, wait a minute, this is a little different. And this is something that I can find a lot of value of instead of being like upset about. So that's, you just never know what's going to develop you. You never do. You never know. An opportunity I look back on and say, you know what? I had had no idea I would be in this position without without going through that uh, through in that little particular part of my life. So very appreciative of the opportunity. Good stuff, good yeah. stuff. Yeah, so being on the receiving end, you know, when you're at the Naval Academy, kind of being told like, okay, now you're going to go to basketball, and then you find out like you're the basketball guy. Now in your current leadership role at Texas, you are the one that oversees and manages a lot of different people, needs, and personalities. What is it that you look for when hiring staff and, and matching them with different teams? You know, are there certain character traits or competencies that you look for? You know what? It's um, that's a great question because you look at it, and when you, when you're able to make that first hire, you're so excited, right? You're so excited, I'm like, hey, this is gonna be this is gonna be my person, one of my one of my first staff hires, <laughs> right? Peeps. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And um, initially, I said, I, I gotta like this person. I gotta want to hang out with them. Like, well, no, let's take a step back. You know, what do we have? What do we need as as a staff? You know, is this person going to be working solo? That's one thing I think about too. Or are they going to fit into a larger team? Uh, here we have three athletic trainers working working track, so I got to think to myself, well, that they need to be able to fit into this team within a team, right? But really, at the end of the day, looking for someone who's um, shows up to work, good work ethic. So I'm always looking for good work ethic. Sometimes that's hard to find and hard to see on a, on a resume unless they have like 5,000 stops and, and they're always looking to do something. They're always busy. Uh, but just looking for good people, um, looking for uh, solid people initially. Uh, we could teach them all the uh, the nuts and bolts of, of athletic training and sports medicine, but it's hard to teach the soft skills like the bedside manner. Like I want someone to come in and just be able to fit in be able to get along with the student athletes and the coaches, uh, be reasonable, be thoughtful in their approach. And, and you know what, we could pick up on the other things as we go along. Yeah, you can, I like it. You said that uh, bedside banner. I didn't, I've never thought of that with sports medicine. Now I have with, you know, similar to you, I have, we have uh, some four, four daughters. You have two, mm-hmm. you and your wife. And when you go look at a doctor, and you spend just a few moments with them, you can come out of that room going, I like that person. <laughs> you, and you don't even know like if they're good at their job yet, but just the way they treated you, talked to you, if they listened, and there was some compassion there. And I mean, I think that's so important today because if you don't have, and I think that the you know a lot of business books talk about this, but in coaching and in what you're talking about and in this team behind the team, man, if you don't have at least some level of decent emotional intelligence, and how to pick up on people and read and relate to them and how you're coming off to them, like that's not going to go good for for whoever's managing you because you're going to have to kind of come back and clean up that. So it's important. Absolutely. I I wholeheartedly agree. Another, I guess, trait, attribute that we look for, or at least I look for, is um, I'm going to call it it juice, (laughs) right? 
So I heard, I randomly, I don't know, I don't really watch the NBA often. I love college basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jeff Van Gundy had a quote, and it was, uh, if you're juiceless, you're useless. Right? I, like it. I love yeah. it. I love I've never that heard quote. That one. I love that. I say it to my daughters. They look at me and say, all I hear is juice, and then they want to juice, right? But uh, like juice, like just just have some energy about you. Have some, because uh, when people walk into the athletic train room or sports medicine clinic, and likely probably the weight room, right? You don't want them slumped over. You want them to shoulders up, head up, uh, look me in the eye. Let's uh, and have some energy to you. So on, I, you could pick that up on interviews, obviously, is when we bring people in, figuring out. Is this someone who's going to bring a little juice to, to our staff? Are they going to, are they going to bring a little energy? Do they love? A lot of that's do they love what they do? Right. If they, if you love what you do, and uh, you love being in the trenches, then you're going to you're going to bring some juice with you. Yeah, I love the uh, <laughs> Randy Pausch. Before he passed, he did a, he wrote a book called The Last Lecture, and in there he talks about kind of what you're saying. That he uses two metaphors. He don't be an Eeyore, right? If you know who Eeyore is from Tigger and Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. He was this donkey that was always sad. He's gray. His ears are down. He's always, no matter how good the day is, he's down. <laughs> Eeyore. But Tigger is always upbeat and excited and got, like you said, got some juice. And he's always bouncing around. Now, again, you, I think context here, you want to be careful, like what time of day you're doing all that. I'm sure some people would, you become obnoxious, but you do. You got to have, there's got to be a, a positive energy a passion for what you do and working with people and, and kind of navigating problems. And I think, I mean, that definitely sets people apart. So it's, it's good, good traits, good stuff. Yeah. And you, and you mentioned, you know, when you, when you bring people in, you hope they get along with the coaches and you, and you just kind of mentioned some of that relationship with the head coach. And, and when it comes to meeting expectations of head coaches, um, you know, you've done a great job over the years of working with some of the most demanding and high pressure sports, you know, what's, what's your approach or philosophy uh, that helps you be successful in those situations. Absolutely. So, first of all, appreciate it. My uh, my love language is uh, <laughs> words of affirmation. So, <laughs> so appreciate that, Joe. Pumping my tires. Really, I don't know if there's a secret sauce. I mean, one thing that I try to do is I I say be invisible, but uh, you don't want to be totally invisible. You want to you you know you want to find out what the coach's needs and desires are at the moment. But be inserted into certain situations like that, and in, in the in the middle of a season or Picking up a, uh, you know, picking up a practice or picking up a team mid-season and in the season, it's tough, and you just have to. I, I think for me, finding out who the captain, who's the captain of the team, talking to them, finding out, getting to know them, developing a good relationship with the team, uh, but also just honestly, first and foremost, just figuring out what the coach wants and needs, how what communication style they prefer. Um, because if there's something that that pops up, any kind of pinch points or hot spots an item that needs the coach's attention. I want to know how they want that info um, and over-communicate until the coach says, all right, you don't need to communicate this to me. Uh, Talk to the assistant coach about this. And learning those right off the bat so you're not in in a situation where you're, um, um, you know, where I'm, you know, get yourself into an unfortunate situation. But, um, and uh, I've been lucky enough to, to, to have support staff surrounding me as well, strength, coaches, nutrition, and also leaning on those individuals uh, whenever I start working on a team or working with a team, especially here at UT, mm-hmm. knowing who the strength coach is, who the nutritionist is, and, and going from there. Yeah. I like how you mentioned the captains. I feel like if you can get the captains on your side, the, the captains are the voice of the team. And if, yeah, and if you have the good. voice of the team, like it, it just 
it gives you a huge boost. Yeah, sure. Tom, was it Tommy Lasorda used to talk about that? The baseball managers was he for the L.A. The Dodgers, the yep. Dodgers. The Dodgers been a year. He would always try to win over his big philosophy, win over those cat, those those kind of main leaders in the core of the team, because he knew if he could get that, it's like that could spread throughout the organization, and so that that's a that's a good nugget, Adam. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. Locker room leaders find out who they are and um, really try to you know get in, develop a good relationship, make a good first impression with them, right? And then, um, you know, I think the, probably the worst philosophy you could do is just go in and change everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I go in and ask them what they like. You know, how do you what what do you like? What what works for you? Type of thing. How have you? So, because you, I mean, again, I just your resume is just so impressive to me. Just the teams you've worked with, but how? Have you worked, maybe somebody listing their head coach is not very approachable. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some coaches can be fine, but then whether it's just their personality or just maybe they're in season and you take over in, in season and they're stressed out, like what would be your advice or counsel to how would you work to improve that or make it better? There's some tactics or th- some things you've done that was helpful in those situations? For sure, yeah, just having... Um situational awareness you know not knowing that if you're in in the hot you, you get thrown into a situation where in your you're in their postseason the coach is stressed out um no one to approach them you know not just going in uh right before practice and telling them you know giving them the bad news you know finding find a good time uh to communicate with them whether that's their in their office mm-hmm. uh, which can be difficult at times um in this day and age you know some coaches just prefer just giving them a, a holler on the on their cell phone or or shooting them a text but um um yeah just just finding a way to communicate the message and and getting to the coach whether it's difficult or not um you know i've heard i think we've all dealt with uh coaches of all sorts of philosophies and, you know, have uh, different coaching philosophies mm-hmm. and some would consider difficult to work with. But at the end of the day, uh, that as long as they felt heard and you're taking care of their teams and their kids, you know, you're all good. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, right, the head coach is happy or at least, I don't know. I, I mean, I like, <laughs> I see what you're saying about being, being invisible, but almost like being seamless where there's really not a lot of hiccups or if any, but just keep it smooth. And because uh, coaches right. kind of like things, so I think that's a great point. Um, just from your experience, kind of a little change here on on uh, the questions. The past five to ten years, how has sports medicine changed? I might take it back a little further than that, if you don't mind. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so, How's it changed? Well, I you know I get into the profession. Way back, way back when, uh, it, it seemed like we, at least to, to me, were more reactionary as, as practitioners, you know, waiting for people to get hurt, waiting mm. for people to come in and see us. And now, a lot more proactive, lot, almost pushing kids to come in. Like, hey, you don't have to have a post-surgical situation. You, you don't have to have a you know acute injury. Come in and see us. Let us take care of you. you know, let us let us get ahead of 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 those of those. Uh, you know, whatever ails you. And that could extend to um, nowadays talking to uh, Travis, you know, our, our sports scientist, mm-hmm. you know, connecting with him, uh, going to practice and saying, ah, they don't look like they don't look like they have any juice to go back to what I said earlier. You know, look like they're dragging a little bit, talking to Travis and getting ahead of a situation and saying, you know what, this athlete isn't fueling appropriately. Maybe we need to dial back, 
in the weight room, maybe on the field, maybe not. Maybe we need to step it up a notch and incre- you know increase what they're doing with their with their fueling needs. Uh, but I feel like again, 20, 25 years ago, it was a lot more reactionary, whereas now it's it's a lot more proactive in, in getting kids where they need to be, body wise. And kids are more educated now, mm-hmm. thanks to whatever you. I think I guess Google Google's a good and bad and bad thing, but it's. You know, kids are a lot more educated now, so they come in and and there there's a lot more of expectation now of um, of, of a lot of preventative things that they could do. Yeah, no, I know we've even that's good, Adam. This year we've se- I've seen that more this year with my teams. Um, I don't know, Joe, if you've seen Joe works with track, we've seen kind of picking up on some asymmetries just from playing the sport that normally like you wouldn't know. I mean, you would know they had maybe a little pain. In a certain joint or whatever, but not not knowing that was going on, catching it a little earlier, and kind of cutting it off the pass just with force plate technology or with body comp stuff like that. You know, just being a little bit like you said, I think that's I think it's a definitely a better approach because I know I know I know you have too, Adam and Joe. I know you have whether here at the military, you have this huge blow up crises like that is no fun to manage. You have some like situation that just was flying under the radar, nobody was aware of it, and all of a sudden something goes goes awry and then of course it's the, the the absolute worst time that could go bad for a head coach and uh heats up the kitchen for everybody so to speak you know so <laughs> that'll make you have some juice yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. absolutely uh any Thank technology you. that you kind of um oh i know oh, let's let's think technology also think let's broaden that a little bit therapies I know I've seen you and your staff over the past, I think, two or three years, a little dry needling, uh, Graston, even a little BFR. Um, I don't know if there's That's any. That's right. Yeah. Just, it's, uh, you guys just keep expanding this toolkit that I'm just like, I'm a little bit jealous sometimes wanting to learn from some of that, but it's good. Anything, technology or therapies I tell you what, in the future, I'm, you see? Uh, you know, it's 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 funny you say that because it's it's now there's a lot of uh, new technologies being thrown our way that we're 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 utilizing like laser laser light and uh, you have to be on your game. Student athletes will uh, will ask you what does this do and you have to you have to know what it does. You have to know sell what it, it almost, does. Right? You got to be savvy. You got to be savvy about it and have some uh, you know have some knowledge about what you're doing. But um. Absolutely. Just, uh, I was super excited. In Maryland, uh, it, it wasn't within our scope of practice. Moving to Texas, I get here and, and Alan comes over um, uh, and, and tells me, hey, we have a dry needling course next week. Like, this is awesome. So I'm going to be able to dry needle people? Wonderful. So, right. so for us, uh, in, in the future, I could see our roles uh, kind of melding or, or expanding, uh, you know, right now. And what I mean by that is, and right now, we we have a certain set of rules that we abide by. I think those rules are going to continue to grow, and we're going to be able to do a lot more with our skill set. And it's going to look, uh, you know, you might see me suturing someone up maybe one year, which might be a little scary. The role expands. <laughs> yeah, role expands because we're, you know, athletic trainers, the role and, and educational requirement, everything's kind of changed into a way to where athletic trainers are just – uh, you know, I, I heard one of a surgeon that I worked with way back in the day said, you know, athletic trainers are a last bastion of just manual hands-on therapy. You know, we do a lot of hands-on things. Mm-hmm. And expanding those roles and what we do with our hands and being able to, whether it's 
putting IV fluids in a student athlete, which I don't know if that's going to happen one day. Maybe it will. Uh, being able to suture some student athletes up. Um, but uh, but more broadly speaking, yeah, I'm kind of curious to see where where uh, where new technologies take us. Uh, the more we move forward, it seems like more we lean on some of the some some things that have worked out for people for maybe thousands of years, like dry needling, yeah. acupuncture. It's funny yeah. you made me. I think that's that's pretty incredible because if you think about it, um, even just working with the sports medicine staff I have, obviously I've worked with you some, and then some other staff even recently, you're seeing more roles expand even into the the realm of recovery. You know, whether it's different modalities or tools, whether it's, um, mm-hmm. you know, the cryotherapy kind of stuff. Some I think some of the sauna with the, the red light for recovery, um, t- body tempering, dry needling. I mean, so many things out there that can get uh, not only athletes recovered, but like you said, keep them a little bit more robust to perform at a higher level throughout the season. And I mean, that's pretty cool to see that you know, the roles are expanding. So, Is, it, is there ever a challenge with... Uh, you know, the ever, I guess, advancing technology, you know, where, where some of the stuff you see, you're just like, man, that, that doesn't look like it does anything at all. And maybe it surprises you that it does do something or, and vice versa. You know, I know with at least at least downstairs with some of the gear we see at the uh, CSCCA and that, we, you know, I look at a piece of gear, I'm like, that's not going to do anything. You know, it's <laughs> right. some silly stuff out there. You know, what, what what's your opinion on that? Absolutely. I just with new technologies a lot of times is just it's maybe something older that's repa- it's packaged into something a little bit more sleek it looks a little cooler but just uh, i agree with you there's a lot of things that are thrown our way and we have a lot of reps that come by and drop off equipment that says this cures everything <laughs> you know your athletes will be back in no time if you use this technology and and really digging deep and i, I think where you could avoid a lot of pitfalls is just ask questions and do your research um Tons, tons of modalities, electric modality I, in our athletic training room. Tons of modalities, and uh, at the end of the day, it's it's what you do with your with your two hands, right? right. So um, you know, I cautiously approach anyone who brings me a piece of equipment, a machine. Um, that's a big price tag, maybe, <laughs> but right. but make some claims. You're like, well, I, you know. Does, is this really going to contribute the way to our clinic and to the health and safety of our student athletes? Get them back to where they need to be, or is this just some smoke and mirrors? So. What do athletes like the most that you've noticed recently? Therapy stuff. <laughs> Therapy wise, what, what, um, what do they hate? What do they, I'm curious. They, what do they hate, and what do they like the most? Give us both. That's a good one. Yeah, student athletes generally don't like ice, any kind of cryotherapies. Right. Um, they don't like cold tubs. I know that. They don't like cold tubs. <laughs> I've never had one other than maybe a few future Navy SEALs at the Naval Academy who said, oh, <laughs> I love it. Let me get in there and do this. Right. But uh, uh, that uh, I've never met a student athlete who doesn't like just laying down on the table, just getting a stretch or just getting a massage or something like that. So in other words, just you know, passive treatment, right? Right. So Not generally, yeah. Nothing. But um, So I would say that those are probably the, the main ones. But they... They all enjoy uh, the immediate feedback, too. So if you tell a student athlete coming in, hey, let's do this. You're going to feel, feel great in two weeks. Uh, you know what? Throw a little something in there to make them feel good, walking out of the room. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, they like those things. But generally speaking, uh, cold, no go. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, they don't like the cold, Big Joe. Yeah. The SEALs just liked it because you weren't trying to drown them while they were in there. Like, you know, 
in comparison to their actual training. Absolutely. And you know what? Talk about recovery. <laughs> like those guys were, I mean, it's, they're on another level as far as uh, uh, just, just beating their bodies down and mm-hmm. training and, and, but also being acutely aware of, of just recovery and uh, acutely aware of what their bodies need. So Right. Well, looking at, like, you know, a lot of young students coming into the field, you know, what do you look for in students who stand out in the, you know, in this profession, you know, in sports medicine, uh, you know, what would you recommend, you know, if they, if they want to get a job in sports medicine or if they want to get promoted? I, I really enjoy, and this really stands out to me is when I have a, a students who, students who are inquisitive. So they just ask questions. Um, not to the point where they're just peppering me all day about, with questions, but just asking me, what, what are you doing with a student athlete? Or if I'm, if I'm maybe talking to someone, what did you mean by that? So just asking me um, the ins and outs uh, of, of what I'm doing. Uh, I really enjoy teaching. So having students that uh, they're inquisitive and, and ask questions and honestly – one thing I think caught the eye of my my uh, Spanky Stevens, who was my who pr- pretty much took me on board as a student, young young buck at the University mm-hmm. of Texas, was I, I love busybodies. You know, just find something to do, and uh, and that's how I caught caught his attention and the staff's attention. Is I was everywhere. If they asked me to go somewhere, I'd sprint there, <laughs> and I would make myself useful. So uh, just looking for always you know idle hands, not 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 looking for idle hands. Uh, looking for students who are always busy, always looking to do something and, and want to be helpful and useful. So those are probably the, the two big ones. Yeah, just being curious and, and being a, having a good work ethic. No, I agree. I think one of my favorite leadership quotes by John Maxwell is the, the old saying of like, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. One of his best uh, axioms is if you can't create some heat, you need to get out of the kitchen. And I think that kind of, it's, it's important. You see it in our profession, too, that if student interns are just, like, sitting around and they don't be proactive and, like you said, inquisitive, trying to learn and grow and get better and find something to do, then, like, why are you here? Because that just shows you that they don't really love it and there's not a passion, a true curiosity and passion there. And they're, and they're hard to manage, and so I think that's so, so important because I, I can look over the years for our students and the ones that, that are the best are exactly what you said. They're asking questions, they're analyzing, they're soaking it in, and they're going back and try to apply it. And they're asking you, I love it when they come and ask you, coach, is there anything that you need me to get done, anything I can help you with? And like, I've always got something. I don't, may not have a list <laughs> on me, but yeah. I guarantee you. You right now in your role at Texas and Joe, y'all got things you need help with. If somebody would just come ask, so I think that's that's definitely a good good thing. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I I yeah I uh, I really get a uh, get excited when students walk into my office and 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 ask me a question. I had a student this morning just come in and, and do that exact thing. She walked in and she said, uh, "Do you need any help with anything? I've, I've finished what what I'm doing. Do you need any help?" I'm like, oh, that's 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 awfully nice of you. No, but stay close because I'll probably need some help here in a few minutes. Um, so it's, you know, it's it speaks to their interest in, in the field, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, just wanting to learn. I think that's at the base of it is wanting to learn. Yeah, we had a, real quick, Joe, we had an intern who just, he just got a full-time job 
at uh, Purdue. Purdue. Yep. Uh, Tyler Samany, we call him Tree. Tree, if you're listening, big what's tree. up? Big tree. Big tree. <laughs> and uh, he came to me this past summer again. He was applying for jobs, wasn't getting jobs. I didn't ask him that. He just walks up to me, Adam, Joe, and goes, Coach, you got any projects or anything you want me to, to get started on and work on for you right now? I, was, uh, I about fell over when he asked me that question. I was like, well, come think of it. Yeah, I gave him like two or three things. He hopped right on it. When I when, when he said that, I was like, we got to get this guy a job. He's just, he's incredible. And so it's little bitty things. It's not always the book knowledge, right? You do need that competency, but you need that leadership quality of taking initiative without being told. Being, I like what you just said. I've never thought of being inquisitive and just asking questions and applying it. So that's that's great. Yeah, I mean it's it's really just that easy. I mean even even today, Coach, uh, you were with volleyball, you know, a couple hours ago, and, and our intern was in the break room working on her project, so she was busy, but she'd been wanting to work with you and and, and watch you coach. And I told her, I was like, hey, you know, volleyball's out there, right? And she said, no, really. I was like, yeah, the whole team's out there sprinting out of the room, you know, to, her, yeah. to, to go That's check cool, it out. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's really just that easy. Just just get out there and ask ask a simple question. What do you need? Mm. For sure. Awesome. I got a question for you. This is one of my favorite ones. A little work-life balance here. Oof. So you and your your bride, Miss Kate, right? How long have you guys been married? Adam? Oh, on the spot. Put uh, you on the heat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess us up. Uh, eight years. It'll be nine, uh, and this is coming up May. Two young daughters. Oof, man. Two right? young daughters. Yeah. How do you? A lot of things going on here at Texas. A lot of people pulling on you. How you manage work life with with the family? How you do it? What's the key? You know, uh, the big reason I'm here at, at re- made the grand return to uh, the UT and got the invitation. I said I gotta take this. I gotta take this because it. You know, Alan told me straight up. He goes, "Are you happy where you are?" There, yes, absolutely. Do you want to spend more time with your wife and daughters? Absolutely. That would come be to yes. Austin. Come, oh, come yeah. to Austin. And uh, so it really, like this position really allowed me to, uh, you know, scratch that itch that I have with, with, with sports medicine, being able to be involved with teams, being able to, to work with strength coaches, uh, you know, work with a team uh, while at the same time giving me flexibility to, to do those things with, with my, have that work-life balance with, with uh, my wife and kids. And it's, it's, you know, this position has been unbelievable and, you know, hats off to Alan. You know, I really appreciate him uh, bringing me onto the team here because it's. Um, I, my wife and I sit back and we think to um, uh, maybe some previous stops that I've been at. Like, you'd be busy right now. Like basketball, basketball's a grind. They wouldn't see you're you there. They wouldn't yeah. see me. Hey, you know what? Right now, you'd be at. You know, you'd be with the basketball team at this. You know, for three weeks at this place. So it's it's it really allows me to here just have a, a much better work life balance. There are times when it's. Yeah, it gets stretched a little thin, and um, my wife's unbelievable. Um, she's uh, she uh, she really helps. She's very understanding. She knows she's definitely not blind to what I do. She knows what my role is and what my mm-hmm. job is, and it's in athletics. She was in athletics at one point too, so she understands the demands. She she understands that you know what some days uh, might be a little lighter. I'll be home on time, but there's also a lot of times when I'll say, "Hey, I'll be at home at this hour." And then I call her, you know what? I got to take a kid to the emergency room or I got to put out this fire. I'll see you later on tonight type of thing. So, um, 
So it's it's tough to manage. I definitely couldn't do it without uh, support from administration here, uh, from Alan, you know, director mm-hmm. of sports medicine here, and, um, and and my wife really. So. No, I agree. I think you know. I mean, obviously, Alan oversees all our areas. He he definitely is a guy that cares about like not just how you do your job, but your family, which is important. I always say it's um, early on in my career. It took me a little while to figure this out, but. I always say it's not where you work necessarily. You do want to work at a good place, but it's who you work for. Because most people quit their bosses. They don't quit an organization. And the best analogy I've ever heard on what we're talking about, this work-life thing, is like, here's the, here's, the, here's the big question to evaluate when you're working for somebody. Think of it like a, the analogy of skiing behind, water skiing behind a boat. Well, that boat leaves a wake behind it. And if it's a if it's a good driver, they leave a smooth wake so you can enjoy. You're enjoying, you know, back there. They're pulling you along. You're laughing. You're having a good time. If they're not a good driver, the wake is really rough. They you could flip you off through skis and get hurt. And so think of that analogy, right? That picture in your head. And here's the question you ask somebody after they worked f- for a certain boss. Ask them this question: Would you do it again? And if the question is a quick no, <laughs> you can understand probably what that ride was like while they were with them, you know. And and um, and that's not to that's say really, I mean definitely yeah. Alan's not that guy for sure. He's he's mm-hmm. a guy that we would definitely all work for again, uh, and we could currently do. But I think that's a good way to to uh, they got. But people got to be compassionate, and understanding of the the pressures you have at home, the needs and demands you have with two young children. Sure, sure, I agree, and. and- you know, look at it through a different lens too of, of different seasons of your life. Because at one point, I was a, a lone wolf, right? Wasn't married, didn't have kids, grinder. I just I, I couldn't keep me out of the training room, right? You just right. you just stay there and do your thing. But then your priorities shift, and you realize, you know what? There's I need to reprioritize what I'm doing here. I need to uh, I need to water these plants and make sure they're growing too. And it's just it's um yeah work uh, work life balance is, is tough. You know, you got to have a good team around you, team at home, mm-hmm. team at school. You do. Uh, but being able to to find a happy medium. And it's with young, honestly, with young staff, a lot of times that's a struggle. They'll, you know, I, that's one of the talks I'll have is, is you know what? You got to take a knee, you know, <laughs> if you need to, if you need to take a breather, you got to communicate that to me. I see it. If I see it, I'm definitely going to tell you to go home, go do what you need to do. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely want, don't want it, people to get burned out, but also want them to be happy in their position professionally, but also happy at home. Yeah, you got to have a life outside the the four walls of work. You got to, if you especially coming through COVID and the, the demands and pressures that put on everybody and the strain. Uh, people are definitely that's that's a trend in America. People are looking for just a better quality of life with their jobs, and I think that's again, we're, I think we're very fortunate here at Texas to have that support. So it's good stuff. Big Joe, any closing comments here as we kind of get near the end? Anything uh, you want to add or any other questions? No, Adam, uh, thanks for coming in. It's it's great to sit down and talk with you. You know, we we always talk for a brief 10 to 15 seconds in passing uh, all the time. You know, we're only one floor away, but it was actually nice to sit down for about an hour and and uh, and chat with you. So thanks for, thanks for coming on over. Appreciate it. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Uh, just a side note, every stop I've been at, Probably my best friend or the person that I always I connect with 
It's always been the strength coach. Always <laughs> been the strength so cool. coach. Yeah, you always are. So it's um, you know, I think that speaks to the connections that we make as professionals, but um, uh, but just not having a, a narrow focus, but leaning on the people around you. And I've definitely leaned on strength coaches, leaned on. Um, you know, nutritionists and uh, along the way. So appreciate what y'all do. No, yeah, you're I just, if you've never met Adam, if you're listening, reach out to him. Uh, he's definitely a, I would say, a perfect example if I could pick a servant leader. Cares about people, but does his job at a high level. Just a guy that, that you look up to and you want to work with. I mean, I don't, I've worked with you on different uh, teams and whatnot and just watching you. And even just listening to other staff, how they talk about you. So you're doing an incredible job at Texas and uh, couldn't think of a greater guy to have on the show to talk about kind of that because that's a huge area and a lot of people overseas. So uh, keep thank it you. up. No pressure on you, but keep yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm, uh, if you could see me, I'm blushing. Right, so, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, if our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way to reach out? If they want to hop on a call or just follow up with you, what's the best way, Adam? So I, I always... The student athletes keep me young, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm still in my 20s or 30s. I'm not anymore, uh, but I'm gonna sound old. I don't, I'm not really on the social media thing, right? So that's it's all right. just not, it's not my bag. Not that's not on something that. I do. Yeah, that's just not my thing. Uh, so honestly, the easiest way just email uh, email my university address. It's uh, uh, Adam dot Pacina P E C I N A uh, at athletics. .utexas.edu. That's the easiest way. Good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. We well, appreciate yeah. your time. Thank you all. We have enjoyed this. Yeah, so. thank you. Big Joe, welcome to the show, brother. Appreciate it. Glad it to have you on board. <laughs> coach Mike is, uh, we're going to miss him. We'll, we'll occasionally maybe get him on, but we're glad you're going to be helping with the co-host. And uh, this show will be coming out, I think, December. And so uh, everybody be getting ready for the holidays. But uh, any favorite holiday Treats you like to do? What holiday? Adam? <laughs> Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving? What you got, Adam? Golly. I'm going to lean on old school. So I, my, I miss my grandmother's cooking. I'm going to go, um, goodness, her lemon meringue pie, pecan pie. Oh. I'm a dessert, I'm a dessert guy. Lemon, cr- lemon, lemon meringue. meringue. I yeah, like it. What about Christmas? Well. Anything get you in trouble over Christmas? Uh, my mom's pecan tassies. Now, what, now like, what is that? Do you know what those are? No, you don't? explain. Goodness, I'll bring some. They're like just little mini pecan pies. Those put the LBs on you a little Oof, bit? Yeah, yeah. My, they're, they're delicious. Every time I see my mom, I'm upset if she doesn't have she doesn't have those with her. But, oh, so good. <laughs> That's so a, good. the good and bad of Christmas. <laughs> yeah, but so, what, say, I, yeah. what were they called again? One more time. Pecan tassies. Pecan tassies. I have never heard of these. You, Joe, heard of you heard of these? No, I need to try well, one. I, I'm going I'm to sneak one from you. Uh, and don't Google recipe because it won't do my my mom justice. It'll probably come out right. like you know, uh, you know, kolaches. There's like there's different definitions for kolaches, right? Pecantasies. Pecantasies. I learned something new. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm I'm looking forward to the it's holidays. Pecan. Pecan. Not pecan. Pecan. Not pecan. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, it's been awesome, Adam. Right. Thanks Thank so you. much for your time, Joe. Again, glad you're on board. And hey, that's it for the team behind the team podcast. This is Donnie May, Big Joe Krawczyk, and Adam Pacina. Y'all have a great holidays. Hook them horns. Hook them. Hook them. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Team Behind the Team podcast. For future episodes, go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. 
We definitely want to keep having great guests on the show and great content. So if you have a moment, please go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, and let us know how we're doing. I'm Donnie Mabe, and thanks so much for tuning in.